the time has come for me to speak to y'all. I'm a little nervous. Usually when I get up in front of people to speak, it's in front of a group of kindergartners or first graders to tell them how to brush their teeth and make proper choices for how to take care of their teeth because I'm a dental hygienist and that's that's where my expertise, my specialty is. My specialty, I do not feel, is in preaching. As some people have told me, I was giving a sermon, which scares the mess out of me, but here I am. I am here in, in obedience upon a call that I feel um, God put on my spirit. About three weeks ago, I came to Lance, and I said, very nervously, with my husband kind of prodding me forward, Um, that I felt like there was a message that God had placed on my heart that I needed to speak in front of the church. Um, But at that time, I really didn't know what it was going to be. I had an idea, but as I started writing out and trying to process, like, what was actually going on in my heart, I wrote out about six pages of stuff, and none of that made it to what's in front of me today. So um, it's, it's been a journey, and I really struggled with how to start this. So I'm really just going to get right into it, if that's okay, because I, I don't know how to introduce this. Um, I started by reading in the book of Galatians, and, um, and I thought I was going to be talking to you guys about Galatians chapter 5 um, and about freedom and what that really means. And I guess that's part of this, but really um, my focus started to become, um, starting in chapter 1, and the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in Galatia who are headed down the wrong path. They started off doing great. They were faith-filled Christians living a vibrant life, but they didn't stay that way. They were drifting away from God by turning away from grace and entering into a joyless prison. See, I found myself being able to relate to the Galatians. For the past few years, I myself have been drifting into a joyless prison, hence my outfit, my prison outfit today, okay? Um, I'd like to take a look at Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 for a minute, if you'll throw those up there. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. First, I feel we have to understand the gospel of Christ. And most importantly, the gospel, Christ's gospel is God-made. And Paul emphasizes that in verses 11 and 12. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And I feel like that's the key we need to look at, is it was received from Jesus Christ. You always have to consider the source, you know, whenever you're writing a research paper or just anything in life. Consider where you're getting information from. Where is your source? This source, Paul is saying that the info he's preaching came straight from God. So we can be sure that his promise is true and his word is faithful. If it came from man, it would mean nothing. If it came from Facebook, it would mean nothing. If it came from, you know, anything other than God, it means nothing. The other thing we have to understand is Christ's gospel is all about grace. But what is grace? Do you really know what grace is? Grace is an undeserved gift given because of love. You didn't earn it by works or by begging. It has been freely given to us 
And it is within that grace that we find freedom. So if the grace, if the true gospel offers freedom, then why are so many of us finding ourselves in prison? That's a question I had to ask of myself. God gave me a visual representation of my prison cell. It had four boring gray walls with no doors, no windows, no air vents, no way out. I was by myself. There was one item hanging on one of the walls, a mirror. Written on the mirror were words like awkward, worthless, unworthy, unwanted, and insecure. I'm going to try not to leak because I'm kind of opening (laughs) some things that I've been keeping to myself for several years. I was in a prison of self-focus. And those words represented how I began to start thinking about myself, how I how I think about myself. You see, I struggle with seclusion and isolation because I honestly feel I have nothing of value to offer anyone. All I have is a bag of trash, like the woman in the video we just saw earlier. But I'm not here for self-pity. I'm here to tell you where I'm at in my journey. You see, It's come to my realization that continuous isolation and self-focus is a dangerous habit. There's one version of Proverbs 18, verse 1, that says, One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound judgment. But I'd like to look at another version. Justin, if you'll put that Proverbs 18, 1 in the NIV, it says, An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. And against all sound judgment starts quarrels. That sounds like a good person, right? You see, isolation just leads to self-focus, and self-focus leads to attempts for self-righteousness. Nobody wants to be around an unfriendly person, and that's where I found myself. But I didn't realize. I just thought I was was shy, you know, introverted. No, it was self-focus. Self-righteousness is following a false gospel full of rules and rituals. And that's where the church in Galatia was doing. They were beginning to isolate or separate themselves into Jews and Gentiles instead of being all one, united in Jesus. Galatians 2, verse 14, if you'll throw that up there for me, please. When I saw that they were not acting in the line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, In front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? See, they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. They were not living out grace to everyone. They were trying to find their value in a list of have-tos and judging others, clinging to the law that pronounces us guilty and gives us a death sentence. They were practicing empty rituals, just going through the motions, placing their value and the value of the gospel to what they can do for themselves and not looking to Jesus. I think we all can kind of relate to that a little bit. 
where are you looking for your value? Are you looking for it in temporary things or the eternal? Because if you're looking for your value and trying to find your value in anything other than Jesus, then it's temporary. A lot of us try to find our value where I was, you know, in my job because the kids like me. They request to come see me. They followed me from my old practice. Like, I was finding so much value in that, but that's temporary. I'm not going to be working forever. Some of us maybe try to find our value in our parenting. Kids are going to grow up. You're not going to have that aspect of your life to what you're, you're thinking of, you know, forever. Maybe you find it in being a wife or a husband or any type of other relationship. Relationships end. All relationships on this earth are going to end, whether it's by someone's choice or by someone's death. The only thing that is eternal is Jesus. So in my prison, you know, I started, we went on a beach ladies trip, right, um, just recently, maybe a few months ago or so, and I spoke to Diane about my, my situation during that time, and she reminded me about the freedom promised in Christ, and that no matter how far down a bad path you go, God can always make a way back to him. But you see, my problem was I didn't see myself down a path. I saw myself in a prison cell. This reminds me of a story we've heard before, but I want to look at it a little bit differently. This is the story of the sick woman in, in Mark chapter 5. This woman, if you remember, was subject to bleeding for 12 years. We usually look at the story when we're looking about, you know, looking about faith in Jesus or healing, but I recently read a book that gave a little bit of a different perspective that I want to share with you. The book I recently read is called The Mother-in-Law Dance by Annie Chapman. And in it, I'm just going to read some excerpts from it. So we're looking at this woman. Being a woman under Levitical law and having an issue of blood for all those years basically meant she had lost her ability to participate in her religious traditions. Jews were not allowed to enter the temple when they were bleeding. To complicate matters, if someone were to touch her, they too were temporarily banned from the temple. As a result, she had to rename herself. She had to take on the burden of one of the saddest of all names noted in scriptures. She was to all around her unclean. When someone tried to approach her space, for example, she had to tell them, I am unclean. What an unfortunate predicament for this ailing woman. Along with everything else, she had also lost her identity. But then came the day when she heard that Jesus could change her name. How many of us are in need of a name change? Caught in the crowd, this weak woman with the issue of blood found herself within arm's reach of Jesus. She had faith in that he could help her even though all of the modern medical, medical wisdom of her time had failed. She took the risk and touched the hem of his garment. For the first time in years, she suddenly felt strong and healthy. She knew immediately that the implications of the name she'd worn so long were fading. Can you imagine the elation of that moment? Before she met Jesus, no one else had been able to meet her need. Everyone else had taken from her, and he was the first to give to her. Before that moment, when she reached out to Jesus, she was a woman desperate and destitute. All that changed in an instant. 
But before she could drink in what had truly transpired, Jesus stopped, looked around, and asked, Who touched my garments? Oh no, she had been found out. By touching Jesus, she made him unclean. The Mark passage continues. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. I'm sure it must have been a relief to be able, after so much time and so much abuse, to unload her heart on someone who not only cared about her, but was able to help her. Jesus' gentle, verbal response to this hurting woman contains one of the sweetest, most healing words ever spoken. With what must have been a welcomed look of compassion, he said, Justin, if you'll put that Mark passage up for us. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. The word daughter in this passage is only used this one time. The meaning of it indicates a close, loving, intimate relationship between the two of them. No longer would this woman be called unclean because from that moment her name was changed to daughter. Oh, I'm leaking. Jesus gave her a new name, and with that new name came freedom beyond her imagination. After some time of reflecting on that perspective, I myself approached Jesus. He said to me in my prison cell, Take down the mirror. Hesitantly, I lifted that mirror off the wall with full of the names that I had given myself. Behind the mirror, behind my self-focus, looking beyond myself, taking myself out of the equation, was an open window full of light. Looking out the window was the cross. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. You see, Jesus died for us, but it's not about us. It was never supposed to be about me. When I sat down to start writing out my sermon notes, that's actually the first sentence I wrote down. It was never supposed to be about me. Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Put your faith in God's love for you. There was a quote I came across from Joyce Meyer. It said, saturate your mind with the truth of God's word, 
It's filled with reminders of his unconditional love for you. Do you believe that God loves you right now? Honestly, I've had fears and doubts about God's love for me. I fear separation from God. I'm afraid of a hardened heart. What if I'm stuck this way? I was afraid to approach God for fear that he wouldn't find value in me either, just a bag of trash. I can't talk to him because I have nothing of value to offer. Quit listening to the lies because that's all they are. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It's time we stop listening to those lies and start listening to Jesus and the gospel of grace and freedom. He showed us, he came in the flesh and showed us that he died to his flesh. He died on the cross. We should follow him. We need to die to ourselves. Stop focusing on yourself and surrender. Let it go. And don't turn back. Let it go. <laughs> He'll take you along with every single bit of trash and make you into a new creation in Christ Jesus. He'll make you valuable. He'll change your name. Just get rid of it all. I feel, I don't know how long I've been up here, and I feel like I've been up here forever, but that's pretty much the message that I had on my heart to give to you. But Lance, if you're ready to come up and play with me, <laughs> there's a song that I kind of, that's on my heart as well that I'd like to share with you that um, this is kind of like my response to this and I'd like you to listen to the words and if you know it feel free to sing along with me but it's time to die to ourselves once and for all the song is by Lauren Daigle who's one of my faves and hopefully You'll find some goodness to it. Make this your prayer today. God, I give you what I can today. The scattered ashes that I've hid away, I lay it all at your feet. From the corners of my deepest shame, the empty places where I've worn your name, show me the love. I say I believe. Help me to lay it down. Oh Lord, I lay it down. Oh, let this be 
listening to me. Just keep in mind this week, don't go back in your trash bags, y'all. <laughs> Leave them at the cross to Jesus, please. It's a better life. Lord Jesus, uh, Lord, how desperately, Lord, we seek to uh, see others, to see ourselves, Lord, the way that you do. Lord, help us to have your eyes, help us to have your perspective. Lord, help us to understand the words that Darcy read this morning, Lord, what it means that the old life is gone and that the new life has come. Lord, we thank you so much for your, your Holy Spirit, Lord, that, that walks with us. Lord, help us to, to live life in the power of your Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for uh, how you've moved in Darcy's life. Lord, we thank you for how you've how you're moving in our life as well, Lord. We just seek, Lord, to, to truly honor you with, with every moment that you've given us, Lord. We love you. We thank you for this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.
Amen. Have an awesome weekend.